Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. The National Parks Arts Foundation creates really unique artist-in-residence programs within national park units and also even state parks, um, just really park areas, and uh, it's very cool. I mean, as an artist, you can stay in a park for a month and just create and focus on your art in that area, and then you also get to demonstrate and connect with the public, and from there, it just keeps building uh, where you can take your exhibit and travel around the country and do what you want to do. So it's a very cool program. You can go to National Parks Arts Foundation org to learn more but we're excited to have tanya ortega back on the show she's an amazing photographer in fact you can see her art in the spring 2017 issue of big blend radio and tv magazine just go to blendradioandtv.com uh, but she is the founder of the National Parks Arts Foundation, and joining her is the National Parks Arts Foundation invitation artist Michelle Schwengel Regala, and she is a scientific illustrator. She's a fiber artist. She's a naturalist, and she her work rocks. So very excited to chat with her. But Tanya, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am great. Um, it's still morning here in Hawaii, and it's, it looks like it's going to be another beautiful, warm day. So I'm doing oh. fabulous. Awesome, awesome. I mean, it's like, you know, every time I talk to you about Hawaii, I'm just like, okay, it's time to go over. I think we need to, like, get on a plane <laughs> and fly over. Cause it's just, you, you have know, every to time come I'm, over. It looks so biodiverse and different than where we are in the desert. You know, we love Tucson, though. You know, to you know, I feel like we've got, I don't know. We wait for the monsoon season, and maybe we'll start to look like Hawaii, right? <laughs> when we get some of that rain out here. So you know, hey, but it will. Those gales, the monsoon gales, will, will definitely look like like something that happens here every once in a while. So we are actually at the East West Center. Um, um, that's an affiliate of the University of Hawaii, and I'm looking out hmm. over the Manoa Valley, and uh, I believe, I don't know if uh, there's windows in Michelle's room or not, but she's on the other side that looks over Diamond Head and Waikiki. Oh, wow, wow. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Aloha, Lisa. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. I'm doing great. That's awesome. I'm so glad you could join us. I've been really enjoying going through your work, and um, it's so different. I mean, the fiber art, and then you get into, like, the serious like science illustrations. So I've been enjoying that. But tell us about your view. Are you seeing Waikiki, I'm, if I'm even saying that well, correctly? <laughs> I know that on the other side of the soundproof wall is Waikiki, but right now I'm looking at a piano. I'm in a soundproof music room. <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, Michelle, I know that you are going to be working with the National Parks Arts Foundation and and getting into some of their programs and going into their parks. But uh, this isn't going to be your first time doing an artist-in-residence program because what I was reading that you were actually, like, on a ship (laughs) for a while as an artist-in-residence. That's right. A few years ago, I 
thought that, oh, you know, artist residencies would probably enrich my my scope of the world and be a very generative experience for my creative process. But since I had a young child at home, I didn't think that I would embark upon any residencies for quite some time. But then, by surprise, mm-hmm. I was invited by a University of Manoa, University of Hawaii at Manoa fiber art professor to be an artist in residence within the art department. And I didn't even know this program existed before she invited me, but it became my first residency. And while I was there, I, I worked in a studio. I worked on whatever project was of interest to me. In this case, I collaborated with the marine biology department and worked on a Hadal Zone exhibit. But getting to know the art department and the way a fine art program functions was also valuable to me. My art training came mm. from a very specific science illustration graduate program, so I didn't have the broad multi-year experience that a lot of artists have gone through. So that experience at Manoa was valuable. And then that same professor gave me an email that said, look at this residency on a ship going out somewhere around the Pacific Ocean. You need to apply for this. And indeed, I applied for this. And to my surprise, I, I was invited to be a resident on this ship. The program is through the Schmidt Ocean Institute, and it's uh, an organization that has a a 277-foot research vessel that's been outfitted to be a state-of-the-art science laboratory at sea, and their mission is to facilitate science in in the ocean realm. So they provide shift time to scientists to apply, and then the scientists can go from one point to another and conduct whatever research they work on. They've been doing Mm. that for five years, but in the last year, they've created an artist at sea residency program. So I was the second person to be on a voyage. And to just my luck, my voyage started here in Hawaii and it went to Papaete, Tahiti. And and that wow. was so meaningful to me to be able to, to leave from the place that is my home and to see it from afar and to see what the surrounding landscape and the scape, seascape is like. So that was an incredible experience. I was away for a month and it has created so much so many opportunities for me I, I can't thank everyone enough for this well you know it's interesting about you know your work from there i know that you've got the illustrations as well um you know the actual you know drawings um and you know i know you do metal point with that uh, but you've also i know you got into the fiber art and you know some of it you feel like you're actually inside a coral reef i wish i was there in person to see that um but with this with the fiber art in the knitting part what was really interesting to me you did these um squares, you know, these knitted squares, and at first glimpse, you'll think, oh, she's putting some seaweed in there or some kelp, like a few strands of kelp, but then I was reading that this was actual data, so you're also documenting the actual science, the scientists, and what they're doing, not just what is in the ocean, right? It's kind of this combined, like you're, you're, bringing, out the, you're bringing out Nancy's geek side, let's put it that way. She's not on the show today, <laughs> but I got to, you know, reference Madam Geek here, <laughs> so and that was interesting to me. Oh, thank you. Yep. When I was applying for this residency on the ship called Falcor, I saw that different voyages would have different scientific missions. And sometimes they were using uh, remotely operated vehicles that would collect samples of organisms. But other times they were doing research that was very much on the microscopic level. And in, this, in the case of the voyage I was on, the scientists were, were only collecting water samples and then taking those samples for analysis. And they were looking at things that were not perceptible by the human eye. So I had to figure out an approach where I could make visible what the scientists were working on. And in talking with people and seeing the way the whole system was running, I learned that these these water sampling sessions would yield these graphs on the computer screen. And the graphs 
of the data that you're mentioning that I crocheted onto these knitted squares were, were graphs that would never be published in a scientific journal, and yet all the scientists on board were basing their decisions on the information that was coming up from this equipment. And, and so I realized wow. that's the information that I want to expose. That's what I want to share with the public. So my first series was to do a, a knitted square with the data from every single one of the sampling stations where we stopped between here and Tahiti. And then the second version that I've done in conjunction with the Honolulu Biennial exhibit is to create three-dimensional wire knitted sculptures that also reference those data points. So in this case, I'm, I'm taking a two-dimensional set of data and then making it into a three-dimensional sculpture where you can get a sense of the volumes of these different different materials that are being sensed in the ocean water. So I call them yeah, the one you, you're actually standing in it. You're like it's like your own. You know, mm -hmm. it's like a it's it's an artist in a in a, a water cage. <laughs> but it, it's it's super cool. I want everyone to go to your Instagram page, which is at Flora Fauna Fiber. Everyone, uh, so you can see some of the art. We will be featuring this also in the summer issue of Spirit of America magazine and putting it up in a couple of days on nationalparktraveling.com so you can see some of Michelle's work. But Tanya, you know, I want to go back to you on this because. I think this is such an, you know, every artist we've talked to, I mean, I just think about Belle, you know, who, who is doing this, you know, installation art out in the middle of Pecos in New Mexico. You know, then you've got, you know, the artist, uh, you know, Giuseppe and, and Danielle that were up in uh, Chaco Culture Canyon area up in New Mexico, too, that were doing more of a film and puppetry and you know, I'm just thinking about all these artists, and then you've got in Gettysburg, we had Nick Collier, who's, you know, making his own cameras and doing, you know, these box cameras and <laughs> taking photographs. So it seems like, you know, these are mediums that a lot of times we don't even think about. We think about art, and it's, it's usually just the, the typical, here's a painting, and nothing, there's nothing typical about that. I'm not demeaning that whatsoever, but... From what I'm seeing from these artisan residency programs, which when we say they're unique, they truly are unique, but then the art that's getting attached to this is also very unique. Lisa, you make such a good point, and it's so good to hear you say that because um, creativity and art itself, like we have to let it grow and let it have a space, and that is why we um, – take proposals from artists instead of saying, okay, we're only going to do this medium or this medium or this medium, you know, like what, what do you see? And a lot of times like the work that Michelle does integrating the science with the art, being able to see the beauty and the creativity and, and involving your creativity in Many media, you know, I want to say mixed media, but that already has a, the, its own connotation. But uh, being able to have artists create on their own, like you can't, you can't stop it. Nobody should. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, we accept so many different things. Yeah, with Nick, and don't forget in Dry Tortugas when they were doing the underwater filming. So, yeah. You know, that's another one. <laughs> We've got everything. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. And so, and, and it's true also that, you know, the last time we spoke with you, and it was great because we got to get into your photography, which is incredible. I, I still, I'm still looking at the eyeballs. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> the eyeballs <laughs> in the sink. <laughs> just, you know, anyway, everyone, you got to go check it out. I'm telling you, just go to blendradiontv.com, click on Tanya in our experts apartment and go look at the eyeballs. They're cool. Um, <laughs> I think we may have just scared Michelle. I don't think she's seen my artwork. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but you know what you guys – yeah, no, no, no. I think the butterfly collector and, and some of Michelle's work, could have, you guys could have gotten together on that because that involved, like, you know, a little bit of the – you know, the butterfly collection. It's, Michelle, do you still call that taxidermy when you're looking – you know, when, when people collect butterflies and moths and, you know, kind of put the pin through them when they're dead? I think that's – I think that's just the way insects are so easily preserved in a collection. You don't have to do any replacement of materials. And I think that's more the definition of taxidermy, as with birds or with mammal skins. So I think the butterflies would just be pinned as a regular entomology collection. Well, the the butterflies themselves, um, I have to chime in here, of course, because I know so little about it. Um, So I used to actually raise different types of butterflies. And when you pin butterflies, they have such a fatty abdomen that you actually have to drain it or your butterfly will only last about 15 years. Just saying. Ah, you're talking like the big ones, wow. the really meaty, like those pinches yeah. and those cecropia moths and such. Oh, sure, sure. But exactly. Wow. you gotta, you got to just, yeah, I know. It sounds good. It's like liposuction. Entomology liposuction <laughs> is, is, I think, the, the technical term for it. See, to me, I would just put them in some beer. It's National Beer Day. I would just pickle them. You know, this is pickle the butterflies, everybody. You know, 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess for elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. I love this. <laughs> you know, so, but anyway, going back into the parks, um, we were, you know, you've done a lot with the national parks, but I know you're branching out too. So, um, a lot of these artists in residence programs. I mean, you could be at Dry Tortugas on an island, literally on an island, and uh, do whatever you want to do on an island there. But then you could be out in the middle of the desert, or you could also be in a state park setting. So it's national parks. But as I think you, you know, like as we found. Whenever we go to a national park, there's something attached to the park, whether it's a public land, a forest, um, or a state park, or a county park, that is equally of interest. And I think there's there's a a connection between the two that have to be maintained uh, to protect everybody. Because right now, all of our public lands and everything, we're, it's a it's a funky year trying to take care of federal lands. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so it's. It's a little a little tenuous, I guess, is, is a, a way to put it. But um, I'm glad that there are so many people who are uh, finding interest in the in the subject, mm-hmm. like it hasn't been in the you know 30 or so years. So um, mm-hmm. despite despite how people might be scared and afraid of different things, um, it is bringing attention and raising awareness. 
of the use of mm. our public lands. I mean, I just ran into somebody the other day who was uh, wanting to get a group together to just try to entirely shut down parks altogether to the public, which oh, is man. a pretty hardcore thing. And, and But I kind of see their point, too. Like, for instance, in Oregon, a lot of the parks have doubled with visitation in the last year alone. So the effects that they are seeing on those on those lands, yes, the, you know the the different parks are it's a revenue generator for sure. But at the same time, the conservation of the actual land itself uh, is it's hard to attend to when you see numbers that big. So it's you know mm. it's that balancing act. It's the balancing mm. act. But well, anyway, it's National Beer Day. Yeah, yeah, no. But I like that you're branching out and and connecting everybody. That's what that was my point of it is that it's it's so important to do and I think art plays a huge role in this. Michelle with what you do bringing the nature and the science side, I think that's another thing. I know a lot of national parks are looking at the effects of climate change and things like that. With what you did on the ship out there at sea, uh, looking at all that data, um, do you think that um, that's something you would delve into, um, you know, even maybe looking at what happens with data being taken from air, like pollution, uh, soil, that kind of thing? Absolutely, right. As I said, my training in science illustration had me focus on certain aspects of communication of information, and and information graphics are things that I would love to keep working on and bring into more of my artwork. So I would I would very much enjoy collaborating with scientists that are that are doing their research in national parks or public lands, and and find a way to bring those types of messages to the public through artwork. Hmm. And with with uh, the National Parks Arts Foundation, because they have so many different kinds of parks, and I know that you've done a lot with marine work. Are you looking at staying in Hawaii? I know you guys are all working out what's going to happen, but are you looking at staying in Hawaii, or would you go somewhere in a desert area and do something um, a little different than the marine part of life? Because I know you've done other things than marine work. Mm-hmm. I was glad to learn that you're in Tucson because that's a place where I have spent some time. I did an internship at the, Sonoran, the Arizona Sonoran Desert Museum illustrating cool. desert trees for the signage on their museum grounds. I'm definitely open to going anywhere, <laughs> especially places that are not as frequently traveled or are maybe newer and need some more attention brought to them. I'm, I'm open to anything. But I, I'd like to say a little tangent that I have um, Sweden on my mind this morning and in thinking back to the year that I lived in Sweden, I learned about a, 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 a type of philosophy they have there, that even though people can own private land, there's a concept that overlies all the land in the country called Allmansrassen, and it's essentially a public right-of-way to anyone to go anywhere they want within the land. I mean, I'm sure it's barring government property or something like this, but, but if you want to just go and go for a walkabout across your neighbor's land, and then go from there. You can keep going. You can keep going. You keep you keep certain limits from personal dwellings, but you can just go and, and walk about. And and I love learning that. It's it's a concept mm. that I don't think would fly very well here in the United States. But it it goes to me. It says it's that much more important for us to have these public lands where we know they are established and they are they are in place, and you can count on them being there for your access for your enjoyment for for generations to come 
Absolutely. I mean, you're you're telling a person here that I don't believe that we should have borders at all. I think we should just all be free to roam around, but that's not what happens with the way society works for human beings. You know what I mean? We're also <laughs> territorial, right. so we go with animals, you know, but, you know, what what I want and envision is just different. But um, I, I, you know, to me, we should be able to have that freedom, um, and we should, we need those public plans and those public spaces. We need to have places where we can breathe, and if we don't have the biodiversity of animals and wildlife um, and, you know, flora, fauna, all of that together, then we're not going to be a very healthy society, you know, around the world, no matter where it is. So I think it's a very important piece of the puzzle. And do you find that as being part of what you do as a naturalist, too, is connecting people to even understand these animals a little bit more than that's just a moth. Like, uh, you know, looking at uh, your drawing of that uh, sphinx moth, right, and that's an endangered moth in in Hawaii, Um, Mm do you get that? It it helps people understand, you know, what they should protect, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that in the case of Hawaii, there are lots of stories that you can tell about biogeography. You can talk about the distribution of a species across different islands. Maybe things have maintained their, their species integrity across different locations, or in some cases, genetic lines have diverged and they've become different species. If, you know, There are so many stories that can be told about migration through national parks, um, distribution, um, land degradation and the loss of habitat, which then doesn't support the, the, the biota associated with it. Mm-hmm. These are all important stories. I lived in Montana during graduate school for a while, and being in close proximity to Yellowstone National Park gave me mm-hmm. a greater awareness of how the park is not just a single entity with these, these finite borders, but rather there are lots of, um, lots of types of wildlife that migrate through and, and bordering lands and people that border the park has to take into account the migration of you know, pronghorn antelope and, and mm. deer and bison. It, it, it's a complex interaction, but it's worth investigating and, and working toward a solution to be able to let function smoothly. You know, it, it's interesting, too, because, you know, even in the marine side of things, we tend to forget that, you know, marine life migrates, too. We know about the whales. Um, that's, a, you know, a thing we all know on the West Coast. It's like they go from Alaska down to Baja. We hear that a lot, and we get to see the whale watching. But I think what we also forget is that there's migration of fish that actually happen, too. All kinds of different fish do different things at different times. So is that something you studied in Hawaii? I haven't gotten into that aspect of things so much here in Hawaii. Um, I'm, I'm starting to explore the marine, or I'm, I'm turning my attention toward exploring the marine habitat even a little more directly nowadays. Um, I'm interested in getting back into scuba diving. It's something I used to do a decade ago, but I haven't done since. And you'd think that I'd be diving all the time here in glorious Hawaii, but frankly, I haven't. So that's, that's something that I'll be investigating. I like the concept of, of looking at phenology and applying it toward, applying it to systems that people don't necessarily think of as having seasons. Hawaii, in fact, is a mm. place that a lot of people say, oh, you don't have seasons there. It's the same all the time year-round. But as I've lived here for 11 years, I've, I've tried to hone my vision and hone my perception to be able to see the changes that happen through the year. Mm. And I want to share that Let's talk a little with your fiber art. It's something very interesting, too, because... You know, going from the illustrations, I, I really love them. I, I I love your illustrations, and I I love that kind of work. I have a huge respect for it, um, and I think that it's it's such an important part of 
us understanding nature through the years. If we didn't have those sketches, you know, hundreds of years ago from scientists, and you know, where would we be today of understanding what wildlife and and plant life was, what they were doing, you know, and and what they were, you know. So to me, it's a really important piece of our puzzle of education. Uh, but going into the fiber art, to me, there is this tactile feeling to it because we wear. You know, you know, sweaters and things like that, and and that it's something that people can learn. It's a skill too that people can learn. I feel like you, you when you look at the art, you automatically want to touch it, if that makes sense. Which mm-hmm. means that there's mm-hmm. a bigger connection between the art and nature and the human being looking at the art. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm glad that you you sensed that as well. The hyperbolic mm-hmm. crochet coral reef project is a project that began with two Australian sisters living in Los Angeles, and they prompted people to make forms that are, that, are, that, are, uh, that are seen in nature, particularly in a coral reef habitat. But people who are invited to make things for this exhibit don't have to hold true to the form of the organisms that are inspiring them. They can do something that's more Dr. Seuss-like, <laughs> you know, something more abstract. And when I learned about this exhibit concept, I filed it away in my head. I thought, you know, someday I want to be a part of this concept. And when I became a parent in 2008, I realized that I should probably shift away from so much dedicated sequestered studio time when I'm going to be a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom for a while. And I thought, I need to work with a medium that's more family-friendly. And I realized that fiber, you know, like knitting and crocheting, something I saw my grandmother doing all my life with her, I realized that was a medium that I should explore. And, and it came at a time when I realized I wanted to do something that was marine-related here in Hawaii. I wanted to do something that was participatory, and I could invite people from all over the world to contribute to the project. And, indeed, this reef project was, was the right idea at the right time. And I put out a call for people to create knitted or crocheted fiber items that were, that were inspired by Hawaiian marine life, and over 400 pieces came in to my, to my address from all over the world. It was such a thrill to see how people were so willing to connect to this idea, willing to make something, you know, willing to give up their time, but also to investigate something that may not have been familiar to them, all for the sake of communicating ideas about science. So that was extremely fulfilling for me to embark upon as a, as a first-time community art project. And, and it still has legs. You know, that was in 2010 that I initiated it. And even yeah. today, there are some of these marine crochet species on exhibit at the Bishop Museum here in Honolulu. Cool. Cool. I love this. And, I, I, you know, also the marine aspect, I think it's so crucial that we, we focus on, you know, what's going on in the ocean. And, you know, the health of the ocean is so crucial. Tanya, I'm, if, if I was going to apply to be an artist in residence at, at one of your marine national park uh, parks that you're working with for the programs, I would want to go in and, and so, because you said artists can put proposals in, right? So I'm not an oh, artist, yeah. I'm a musician, but this is my proposal. I would go out into an area and like an ocean area and I'd go out and gather all the plastic I could find and create some kind of sculpture out of the plastic to let people know to stop poisoning our water with plastic. Would that be acceptable? <laughs> yes. Something like that. In fact, we... 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. As a charge nurse, you can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Few artists that specifically focus just on that, believe it or not. Wow. That is their theme, that is their obsession, and people are known for their obsessions. So, yes, it has been presented to us um, before. The, the interesting thing, it's kind of another sort of catch 22 with, with those, is the, um, the designation of the type of, of litter that there is. So once it gets into different bio types of mm. litter in the parks, um, it's a, it's a little bit harder to to have somebody be able to distinguish. I don't know. It gets into all kinds of stuff. But yes, it is, and yes, we have. That's a great idea. That's cool, Lisa, though. I'd yeah, like I can suggest that you. I think it's suggest that you can you keep your musical sensibility about you and consider making music as the type of art that you would create as an artist in residence somewhere. I'm I'm happy to report that the Schmidt Ocean Institute invited a composer, um, Ben Cosgrove is a composer. I think he primarily works on piano, and he was on the ship for a couple weeks during a residency, and he created piano compositions that reflected the motion of the boat and the way it traversed over the, the sea floor at a different rate as where the boat was going. It was, it was a fantastic combination of ideas, again, bringing, bringing to people's awareness an idea about science and physics and velocity <laughs> that, that we may not have thought of before. Did you know that Ben Cosgrove just put out an his first album day before yesterday? Uh, it's yeah, yeah, I follow fan. him on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I know about Ben because our artists who were at Dry Tortugas who live in Australia uh, were at another residency with him, a Sitka residency. So, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, so when uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting his watching how, how quickly his influences, his influences are. That's really cool that he was with you, too. I haven't met him yet, but we've been following each other's work, and and I really like the way music was considered another medium in which an artist could work during these residencies. I think the the broad scope, as you both are mentioning, is crucial to be able to gather or to be able to um, affect the most diverse audience possible through different modes of art. I I agree, And, and the music part, I think, is a huge part of it because... Music is its own language, and you, it doesn't matter where you are in the world that you can understand things, and it tells the history of an era, you know. Um, it also, um, when you think about, you know, wildlife and, and birds and things like that, you can work with music to showcase what the forest sounds like or what does the ocean sound like, what you're saying, you know, and the different things that happen with the weather. I mean, music is, to me, just like one of the best mediums ever, but I've, I like it all, and to me, 
I think it would be so cool to put all of it together in one big, you know, event. But that's me. <laughs> I just get excited about it. <laughs> you know, it's it, well, the whole program to me is so cool. And I love the fact, Tanya, that you guys open up the doors to, you know, any kind of medium that, you know, people can be completely creative. And then once they're there, how many artists turn around and change what their proposal was because, what happens when you're there is different. It's like going to Vegas, but this is a lot more fun. <laughs> you know, that whatever happens when you get there is completely different, right? It's not what you may have envisioned. It is completely different. It is. It's. Um, in fact, I have to throw this in because it's just so cool. Um, one of our musicians at one of our parks, I can't give too much information because it's still a project that he's he's doing and <clears throat> doing it in between uh, New York and other parts of the country. But anyway, <coughs> excuse me, he um, was at one of the locations as an artist in residence, one of our locations, and and there is um, an animal that, let's just say it's an insect, that makes a very similar sound that, it does also south of the equator. So he lived in Panama for a while, mm-hmm. and the same insect is there, except that it is just slightly off, like the same. And it's not even the 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 tune or the music. It is the actual sound. I think he said it's an ape, lower or something. I don't know what that means. I'm not a musician. So he is now traveling to different park locations, finding this particular insect, recording it, and making a symphony. That is super cool. I can't wait. That is, that's awesome. That is so cool. Nancy and I, there's this uh, National Wildlife Refuge just south of, um, I know you both are familiar with our area, um, is south of Saguaro National Park. It's Buenos Aires National Wildlife Refuge. And they've got the Cienega Trail, and you go through, and it's, I mean, I remember the very first time we went there, we heard this, like, growl, and we thought, like, you know, it was our first time here, and, you know, we tend to go right back to Africa. Anytime it's some kind of song, like, sound that's like a, you know, we just, I don't know, we're still Africanized in a way, like, that we go back to our roots of, of wildlife, but... We're hearing this growl, and we're, what is that? And there's this low thing, and then we're like, oh, my gosh, it could be cattle because there's cattle everywhere out, out, out in that area. Well, it turned out to be a frogs, these chihuahua Whoa. frogs, and they would, yeah, chiricahua frogs, excuse me, and they jump out at you and everything. It's pretty cool. Uh, they're really cool, and we go there to see them all the time, but they're so loud and so, like, it feels like you're going to get charged by some kind of animal, but it's these little frogs, you know? So it was crazy cool. But you know, out that area, the one time we were taking this trail, and I think I think it's the cicadas or these locusts, and they are so loud you can barely hear anything. And I recorded them, and I'm like, dude, we've got to do something with this. I want to go. I want to see what this guy does with you know recording these in, these bug sounds because you could totally do it. You could totally. I know out here in the desert you could make like a symphony for sure with all the different weird bugs we get in the monsoon season that would be cool oh, just, i mean the cicadas alone you know that there i forget the the gentleman's name and it was a long time ago but one of the most beautiful environmental music um albums that i heard was this gentleman went to lake bacall and recorded the ice breaking and the ice cracking and put it together in these fantastic um this wow. fantastic album. I'm, yeah, so there's I all know what kinds you're talking of things about. you can do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, 
it's wow. fantastic. So, so, Michelle, do you see yourself doing something different than fiber art? I I do. I'm I'm still open to different media. I feel like I have a, a still a long career ahead of me, and there are lots of media I haven't explored yet. Especially since I didn't go to a traditional art education program, so I I haven't I still haven't been exposed to lots of different media. Something I have been exploring just since last July is the Silverpoint medium, and that's a, a, a way that Renaissance artists used to do their drafting and drawing using a stick of metal. You can use gold or you can use silver or copper, even lead, and, and I really enjoy bringing back this Renaissance technique into modern times. I've been doing Silverpoint drawings that look like graphite, but you can't erase. You have to work on a specifically prepared paper or, or even wood in some cases, but it's it's another medium that I like exploring. So it's, it's been enjoyable for me to get back to drawing in a way, get back to some of my roots, and yet take it in a in a different different trajectory through this strange ancient medium. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad you mentioned no. ice because I'm I'm I have a pending residency application with the National Science Foundation to be in their artists and writers program in Antarctica. I'm hoping that in October. Um, a friend of, and collaborator of mine, Kirsten Carlson, and I might be in Antarctica, and our proposal will have us on the ice. And so having this discussion with the two of you makes me realize that I'll need to record not just what I'm seeing, but also what I'm hearing. And I think that bringing the sounds of the ice and the water will be a valuable component to bring into a, an exhibit that I will, that Kirsten and I will create about our experience down on the continent. So thank you for that. Wow. Quite noted. <laughs> Wow, that's cool, man. This is this is so cool. You know, you, I think with these kinds of artist-in-residence programs um, for the public, it brings forth places that we don't even think about. And, I, you know, even some of the parks, I know you've got some of the major parks like Dry Tortugas that people have heard of, or, um, and then you've got, you know, the volcanoes over in Hawaii, uh, Tanya. But I think that one of the beauty of this, you know, this program with these artist-in-residence programs is that you're bringing out parks that a lot of us don't even know about and we forget about. We even, you know, we forget about, you know, that Big Bend is, you know, this beautiful park in Texas, in South Texas, you know. So I think we forget a lot about these places or maybe you've never heard of them and this is a way to, you know, put the spotlight on the park and what it represents. Oh, yeah, we actually seek seek that out, believe it or not. Uh, I was just telling Michelle earlier that uh, one of the new things that we're doing on our, our five-year, our new five-year plan is we are looking for some very exotic locations and we are taking requests too. So hmm. putting that out there um, we, every around the world, believe it or not. So now that we are in the next couple of years going to have our established residencies, not just in the United States, but other places too, um, we're, we're looking for, I just got back from the Philippines too, where I was looking at, um, at different locations. And a lot of cool. the parks here have sister parks. They have sister parks outside of the United States um, that that we're going to be where we already are working with. Um, but, you know, it's sort of long-term. And we're looking for people to go, hey, I know of this great place. You know, I can't be everywhere. Nobody in, the, in our organization can be everywhere. So um, right. we love it when people go, wow, this is a wonderful place over wherever it might be, Iceland, whatever, Australia, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. We're looking – for everything that is park, that is preserved, mm. that is, you know, we're working with UNESCO and um, 
and cool. getting those. That's the only thing. It's got to be. It's got to be parked. So, yeah. Well, thank it's goodness a big that connection. leaves a lot of the world. <laughs> well, we. Well, that's why you know they say America's best idea. I mean, we created the national park system itself, and we started it, and then Australia and you know New Zealand, all these different other countries, you know, jumped on the bandwagon, understanding that you know protecting the land and needing the land. And I mean, the first thing we, I think, the first you know time we we revamped our nationalparktraveling.com website. First thing we did was like, oh, let's put England in, you know, let's not, let's go do this country. I mean, why not? Because it's all connected. It, you know, no matter what, the, we're all connected in the world. And, you know, these parks and, you know, are special places that you don't want to lose. And it's, it's so important to tourism too. So it's, that's super cool. So Tanya, you know, with Michelle being an invitation artist, what exactly does that mean for people who are listening that says, wait, I want to go and become an artist in residence and I want to be an invitation artist, but what exactly is that? That's a really good question um, because we don't have the resources to have as many invitation artists as, as we would like. Um, basically what we do is for somebody like Michelle, we have a handful of artists that we work with like this. <clears throat> we just work very, very close with them and parks a lot of times, um, especially if they haven't had an artist in residence program or have tried one themselves and have, have failed, they want to have somebody that we know that we are already comfortable with that can go in there and basically um, we went through, we had our panel look at everything that Michelle has, for instance, mm-hmm. what she's done, her, you know, her doing the science and the art, just the whole provenance of her work, basic, basically her CV, all this kind of stuff, you know, Google her basically. And um, knowing her in person is, is, is great too. You know, that, that face-to-face thing, that's, that's never going to die. It's always the best. So yeah. when a park calls us and says, look, we haven't had a program, we're wondering, da, 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 and we would like to invite somebody. We're not comfortable doing the public, you know, just putting it out to the public just yet. And so we say, okay, well, and then we kind of evaluate. We do a site audit, see who will fit for that. For instance, as you know, we have the the Colossal Cave, the house at Colossal Cave. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we are looking, we've, we've been holding off on, on that one, and we were looking to see how we can actually open it up to, um, not just single artists, not just couples, maybe even families, if it's possible. And that house there cool. um, lends itself to that. And, for instance, Michelle is somebody who that might might work with. So hmm. um, also another thing that we do for invitation artists is we talk to the artists and say, where do you want to go? And we approach parks that they might want to go to, which is, the, you know, that's a long process. But it opens parks up immediately. If we can go to a park and say, we have this artist for you, they're ready to go, do you have mm-hmm. something or are you, or do you want to do this? They jump on it. It's, um, so it's, it's, it's really a, a good thing to have. That's awesome. And so right yeah. now for people and artists who want to apply for uh, both programs, artists in residence programs, um, is, uh, where are we on deadlines and, and submitting and, and doing all that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so April 20th is the deadline for most of our 2018 programs that haven't already passed. And we've opened up some more in the next month, month and a half. 
we're going to have Haleakala, probably Hawaii Volcanoes, a couple more. And then with our new and surprise parks, which are probably going to be like Colossal Cave, the other ones that we have on our main page, um, we're going to be opening those up and, and rotating them in for these are programs that we just basically added. So mm. it's exciting. It's not ending. We we thought, okay, the April 20th deadline, we have that, and it's all going to end. Then why do we want it to end? Now that all of these things are happening in the park and with the arts, we, like I told you before, we kind of took the <clears throat> rebellious attitude and said, we're not quitting. We want more programs. So cool. there you go. So we got them. So, Michelle, I say you got to come out, hang out at Colossal Caves. I mean, you could be doing like, I'm just seeing fiber art with stalagmites and stalactites. You know what I mean? I like, Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. I think I have you know, visited be... Colossal Caves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I have visited yeah. Colossal Caves years ago. When I was an undergraduate student, I was able to go around many states in the country doing field work with, with graduate students and professors. And I think that being able to travel around as much as I did on the mainland has really helped me feel certain and solid about living as far away here in Hawaii as we do. I think if I hadn't had those experiences, visiting so many parts of the mainland United States, I would not feel as confident about being as far away as I am right now. And then at the same time, really? whenever I do go back to the mainland, especially for my husband's family reunions that happen every summer, we often try to organize our our planning so that we can get to a, a new location that most of the family members have not visited. And with 14 nieces and nephews, I know that we're doing a good thing by introducing all the kids to these new areas and, and helping them cultivate an appreciation for the, for the, the public land system. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I, yeah, you got to think about it, you guys being on an island, you know, that's a whole different thing than being on this giant mm-hmm. island called America, this, <laughs> You know, the, here it is. The mainland is a giant, giant island. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. But if you do end up out this way, you've got to let us know. But it's, you know, it's interesting with you have, have, having been out here in the Sonoran Desert. I mean, I just have to ask you, don't you think you, it feels like being underwater, but you're in a desert? Like it just dried up one day. And Ooh. like, I feel like we're underwater with all the Akateas being like the kelp and stuff. I think. No, I love that water. vision. Oh, that's fantastic! You just shifted my whole perspective. That's great. I feel <laughs> yes, like I feel like we are. Aren't there historical um, understandings of, of the way that area it used to be flooded? It used to be underwater, and you can look at the geological yes. record to tell you how marine species used to live there. I love that that way of looking at a landscape and seeing what else has happened in the past, and and who knows what happens in the future. <laughs> Yeah, I think it might happen again. I mean, just now we might be beachfront again. You know, it's, that's how I feel. Because yeah, you yeah. can find shark teeth and everything out in the desert. So to me, there's something really trippy of being out there. And you go, like, it could just happen. Like, what happens if there's just one tiny earthquake and all of a sudden we're back to being ocean? Just like that. It would make a good movie anyway. <laughs> when we're out there, you know, it's just, you know, hey, who knows, I'm sorry, it's National Beer Day, and I, I'm really having tea, so, you know, there it goes, that's what happens, but, yeah, no, I'm very excited about you uh, getting out there with the National Parks Arts Foundation, Michelle, and watching what comes of it, you know, what, what you create, and, and what stories you tell Thank about you. the natural environment, and appreciate your work so much, and appreciate what you're doing, Tanya, with the National Parks Arts Foundation, a uh, very cool program. 
Uh, everybody, go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org, and you'll be able to see the parks that they're working with. And if you're an artist, get get into that submission process. <laughs> I don't like saying the word submit, but, you know, start registering. How about that? <laughs> Get going with that. Apply. apply. That's a good word. Yeah, apply yourself. There you go. Um, and also, everyone, again, uh, you can keep up with Tanya and um, see her uh, past interviews with us and past features we've done with the National Parks Arts Foundation with the various artists and parks um, over the past year. Just go to blendradioandtv.com and look in our expert department and go check out Tanya's butterfly collection. <laughs> It's very cool. Uh, her butterfly collection and the eyeballs. You can't miss out the eyeballs. Uh, but also uh, follow Michelle on Instagram at Flora Fauna Fiber. Very cool uh, place to go and follow her and see what she's up to. Thank you both for joining us. Mahalo, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Very cool chatting with you both. And so I'm going to close with some music from Hawaii. If, am I saying this correctly yet, Tanya? Hawaii? Hawaii? Yes. I need lessons. Yes. Okay. It's very so, good. More lessons. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. This this is from Makana and everyone a uh, slack key guitarist out of Hawaii and uh is one of the top guitarists in the world. Uh comes on our show every year or so and stands up for the environment for Hawaii, a uh, lot with the marine life as well. He's done so much. Um but this song is off of his album called Ripe and uh we play this music every time you come on the show, Tanya. Uh but it's called Aww. Now you guys going to have to help me with this. Ka'ana, ka, oh my gosh, Ka'ana Dream. It's K-A with a little, oh, mm-hmm. you know, apostrophe. Ka, Ka'ana Dream. Mm-hmm. Ka'ana Dream. Mm-hmm. This ka'ana is what it is. is a, and it's, ka'ana, ka'ana Point is the most northwestern point of the island of Oahu, and it's a sacred space. It's also a, a, is it a national wildlife preserve. It has a, an official designation. And the name Makana, I also want to add, means gift. So, indeed, the music is a gift. Well, this is it. So here it is, everybody. You can keep up with McCon at McConnamusic.com. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you, Lisa. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Aloha. Bye. I love it out here with the water clear. Early in the morning, just before the break of dawn.
of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.